Pentecost, the story of Pentecost is such a dramatic event that it's pretty easy to picture. I'm sure you can imagine a group of people sitting in a room together, right? It's not hard to imagine. Right now, it should be pretty easy. And I'm sure that you can imagine the sound of a violent, rushing wind. It might be hard to imagine what that would be like if that sound were filling an entire house where there was really no wind blowing. But you can get the picture in your mind. And the tongues of fire resting on each person's head. We don't know what that looks like, but we can imagine it. We can imagine what Hollywood would do with this story. It's not a difficult thing to picture. Then it gets a little more difficult. Because it's hard to imagine that right now I'm speaking Spanish, but you're hearing it in English. But that's what would be happening if this were the day of Pentecost. I might be speaking Italian and you would be hearing it in English. And somehow you would recognize that I was speaking a different language. You might think that I was saying some crazy stuff and that I was drunk, but I would remind you that it's only 9.40 in the morning. I haven't even had a drink today. And then I might proclaim the gospel to you and you might believe it. And there might be a thousand people added to our number. That's the story. And they all live happily ever after. Right? That's not what happened. They didn't live happily ever after. I could spend a lot of time talking about the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues and trying to break down all of the theology around that. But this morning I want to talk about the rest of the story. Because it matters, I think, especially for us. Maybe especially for me this week. I'm a baby. I want things to be easy. I want things to be the way that I signed up for them to be. When I surrendered to the call to go into ministry... And when I went to seminary, I had visions of standing here and baptizing people. And I get to do that sometimes. And this last Wednesday, I was reminded of some words that I say in baptisms. That's what I was signing up for. And I was signing up for standing here and officiating over a communion service and watching people receive the body and blood of Christ. And I I signed up to tell you, you should probably have to sign a legal waiver before you do either of those things because it's going to get really dangerous if you take it serious. That's what I signed up for. And preaching sermons is part of it, whatever, right? Like, honestly, that's not the biggest part for me. I signed up to see people connect to the Spirit of God and have their lives changed. I signed up for that. And I'm a baby. Because that's not all that it is. And I want it to be just that. I don't want to have to have hard conversations with people about decisions that they've made in the past that limit the the ministry that they get to do in the church. But I have to do that sometimes. 
It's hard to sit in my office and hear people come in and talk about the pain that they've experienced at the hands of other people and what sin can actually do in our lives. But that's part of it. But I'm a baby sometimes because I think, like, I don't want to do that. I just want to do the good stuff. But here's the thing. The rest of the story for these men and women who were in that room on that day is not what they signed up for. We don't get to choose what it is God is going to do and how our lives are going to unfold. We get to live life and we get to feel it, the good and the bad. It would have been a lot easier for these women and men who experienced this if they would have been able to just live out the calling of living in the way of Jesus and the Holy Spirit hadn't come and they weren't commissioned to go out and preach because then they could have just lived life into old age and cherish and savor the memories of the times that they had with Jesus But as it stands, the Holy Spirit came, and this thing happened, and Peter stood up and preached, and people began to follow, and then they got sent out into Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth to preach. And every one of these people who were in this room at that point suffered persecution, and the majority of them were martyred. This is not to be taken lightly. We sign up, and we don't get to choose what happens. But here's what we know. That the Spirit of God comes in and changes everything. You've heard me talk a little bit before about how In the New Testament, we have this idea of the Holy Spirit being a dove. And it comes from this time that Jesus was baptized by John, and he comes up out of the water, and the Spirit of God descends like a dove on him from heaven, and there's a voice that says, This is my Son, in whom I am well pleased. And then the Spirit of God drives him out into the wilderness drives him out. He didn't say like, oh hey, I feel like I should go out into the wilderness for a little while and have a camping trip with my buddies. The Spirit of God drove him out into the wilderness where he had to deal with the devil. The Spirit of God descends like a dove, peaceful and nice and calm. But you know, that word that we translate into dove is the exact same word that could be translated into pigeon. And I think the Spirit of God descends like a pigeon. Wherever there are people, there is the Spirit of God. And wherever there is the Spirit of God, there is a mess made. Just like pigeons. Has anybody ever seen a violent rushing wind? Leslie Templeton told us this morning that the reason that she 
and Bob and her mom live in Las Cruces is because a tornado, the day after Christmas, no less, destroyed both of their homes. And she said it was a blessing. What? I've had to hide from a tornado. It's not a blessing. The Spirit of God comes in like a pigeon or like a violent rushing wind or like fire. Fire can be nice and pretty or it can be completely destructive. The Celtic Christians, their symbol for the Holy Spirit is a wild goose. Has anybody ever lived underneath a flyway, a migratory flyway for wild geese? You, you know if you have. Because the geese are obnoxious and loud, and wherever they land, they make a mess. When I lived in Colorado, um, I, went, I went goose hunting several times, a couple of times. And the first time I went, the guy that I was in the pit with, you, they dig out these big pits, or you lay on the ground and cover up. And we were in a big pit, and you get down in the pit, and it's kind of like dove hunting for those of you who dove hunt, but it's dove hunting on steroids. And you sit there, and you look out through this lid, and, and you see some way off in the horizon, and then you wave this black flag, and a guy starts squawking on his call, and you see the geese, and they start turning and coming toward you. And the guy I was hunting with, he said, if you shoot one, do not get out of this pit to go get it without your gun. And I said, what? He goes, those things are mean. They'll bite you. And sure enough, you get up out of the pit and you go at them and they're ready to fight, man. And I, I love the image of the Holy Spirit being a wild goose. Untamable, loud, obnoxious, changes things that it's around. So we have fire, we have a wild goose, we have a pigeon, we have a violent rushing wind. All of these things change what they come into contact with. So why would we think that the Holy Spirit would bring this peaceful, easy feeling that the eagles sing about? It doesn't. If you've come into contact with the Holy Spirit, you know it. Your life is different now than it was then. And sometimes it's really, really difficult. And that's a process called sanctification. I was reminded of this idea of sanctification, of being changed and molded and shaped into the vessel that God created us to be as I was listening to a podcast called The Truth's Table. The Truth's Table is a podcast. It's three women theologians, which, by the way, that's a real rarity to find three female theologians together but it doubles up on you because it's three black female theologians. And they experience the world so much differently than I do. It's, it's an incredible difference, the way they experience the world. The way they read Scripture and experience Scripture is different than the way I do. And it disrupts me to my core some days. To the point where oftentimes it'll take me a week to get through one of their podcasts because I have to stop and process it and think about it because they're breaking things apart inside me because I am participating in certain ways in harming them that I didn't even know about and I don't even know them. 
It's called the process of sanctification. It's where we recognize that sometimes we're wrong. Maybe a lot of the times we're wrong. And the way people experience the world is very different. And to stand in one spot and say, the way I experience the world is the correct way, sisters and brothers, is sinful. To say this is the way to experience the world and this is the only way to experience the world is a sinful way to live. The Holy Spirit will not let you stay there. You will be shaken off of that foundation. I can promise you that. Because if you stay there, your life may feel comfortable, but it's not a full life. And if you don't think that we like to stay in our comfort zones, you're not watching the news. Because once again, this week, our nation is in mourning. And as soon as a tragedy happens, we pick a side. Take your side, whichever side you want to choose. Pick it and make sure that you stand there and hold your ground. But don't listen to what the other side has to say because they're wrong. That's the way we live. The Holy Spirit would say to us, no, open your life up and recognize that you may have some truth and some right things that you're saying, but so might the other side. And it's somewhere in the middle ground of meeting together and recognizing we have a problem and together the Spirit of God will give us the creative ability to change the world around us. That is our job, followers of Jesus. Our job isn't to be right Our job is to change the world for the better. The Holy Spirit will not allow us to stay in the same spot. So no, there is no peaceful ending to this story. And if these first experiencers of the Holy Spirit were here with us today, they would say, my life wasn't peaceful but I'll bet you they would say they wouldn't change anything about it except the sin in their lives. Martin Luther, the original protester that started the Protestant Reformation, had some problems with the Catholic Church of which he was a priest, in which he was a priest. And he wrote his problems out And he took the paper that he wrote them out on and he nailed it to a church door. Now you may think that him nailing it to the church door was the protest. It wasn't. Him making it a public proclamation, the problems he was having with the Roman Catholic Church was the protest. If you wanted to know that there was an open mic night and that Joey Rodriguez is going to be playing there, you would write it on a piece of paper and nail it on the door of the church because that's where people went. The only thing that Martin Luther added to his protest under the section that he called, I just lost my place, the section that he called the marks of the church. The only thing that he added was because in the marks of the church it was things like the church will proclaim the gospel the church will recognize the holy spirit 
The church will do acts of goodness. The church will practice the sacraments, communion and baptism and those things. But he added one thing. And the thing he added is that the church will struggle. Because even back then, they thought that being a follower of Jesus and having the Holy Spirit would make life easy for you. And he said, no, to be a follower of Jesus and to be filled with the Holy Spirit is struggle. That's a message that I need to be reminded of. Because I want things to be easy. I want things to be as I signed up for them to be. So this is what I pray for our church. I pray that we will be filled with the Holy Spirit, individually and communally. And I pray that the Holy Spirit doesn't solve our problems, but gives us eyes to see our problems as possibilities for new things. I pray that we will be filled with the Holy Spirit individually and communally, and that the Holy Spirit will not remove fear from our lives, but that the Holy Spirit will give us courage to walk in the midst of our fear. I pray that we will be filled with the Holy Spirit both individually and communally. But I don't want the Holy Spirit to remove turbulence and tremors from the ground beneath our feet. But I want the Holy Spirit to give us strength so that we can find our footing in the midst of it. I pray that the Holy Spirit will fill us individually and communally. But I want the Holy Spirit to remind us that there are mountains beyond the mountains beyond the mountains. When we lived in Colorado, I had this crazy idea that I wanted to climb a 14,000 foot peak. There are lots of them in that state. Some people, their goal is to climb all of them. I just wanted to climb one. But I didn't prepare for it. I thought you just go hike to the top of a tall mountain. So some friends of mine and I set out and we climbed. And you know, I've been at 10,000 feet a lot of times. I've even been at 11,000 feet a lot of times. But the higher you go, it gets hard to breathe. Like hard to breathe. You can't breathe enough. And we got to the top of the mountain and man, I was breathing hard. I was pouring sweat. My face was as red as most of your shirts. I mean, I was wanting to do one of these things, you know, and like catch my breath. And we get to the top and we stop and I realize we're not at the top. There's still another, what I would call, mountain to climb. We had just climbed a mountain, but that was like a plateau before you go to the next part of the mountain, to the top of the mountain. That's how we experience the Holy Spirit in life sometimes. 
we're climbing and we're climbing and we're climbing and we struggle and we stop to catch our breath and the Holy Spirit might fill us with more air for our lungs and we can breathe and then we realize there's more mountain to climb and so we get to the top of that mountain and if we're very fortunate and if we're very blessed, the Holy Spirit will give us eyes to see the path that we just climbed and how the Spirit was with us, strengthening us the whole way and that is the blessing. So I pray that we will have mountains beyond the mountains. May the Spirit of God guide us and strengthen us. Give us firm footing when when the ground is trembling beneath us. May the Spirit of God help us to see possibilities in the midst of the problems. But may the Spirit of God disrupt our lives and cause us to become the vessels that we were created to be. In the name of the Creator, in the name of the Redeemer, and in the name of the Sustainer. Amen.